Welcome to the Speaking of Women's Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Holly Thacker, and I'm so happy to be back in the Sunflower House. And today's episode is going to be on everything you wanted to know about bioidentical hormones. There's so much buzz about it every day in clinic. I have a woman ask me about it. And I think it's because women are fearful of hormones because of all the mixed messages and the urban myths. And women want what's best for themselves, what's natural. Uh, They don't really want to disrupt nature, uh, but they want relief for their symptoms. So I wrote my very first book back in 2007, Your Body, Your Hormones, Your Choices. And that's right around the time the buzz really started about bioidentical hormones. I then followed it up with my second book, uh, The Cleveland Clinic Guide to Menopause, a few years later. And in between that time, my son published a book when he was in high school on poetry, poetic pondering, a transcendental odyssey. I was like so much more excited about his book than my book, but certainly... uh, what I was talking about really reaches almost every woman if you live long enough to be in menopause. And so my focus in both my books, and I I recently updated the book, The Cleveland Clinic Guide to Menopause, and I podcasted it. So if you're not already a regular subscriber to our podcast, hit the follow or subscribe button. You can listen on our website, speakingofwomenshealth.com, but you can just pick certain chapters or just listen to the whole updated uh, book chapter or anyone you know who's in perimenopause or menopause or suffering with symptoms or it's just unsure what to do it's a really excellent resource because my focus when I wrote those books as when I direct as the executive director of the national nonprofit speaking of women's health is choice individuation the opposite of one size fits all for women So some of the information I'm going to go over is from a column that I published in 2019. That was when we got the first FDA-approved bioidentical estrogen-progesterone combination capsule um, mixed in coconut oil in a little tiny capsule for women uh, to take in the evening after dinner. Uh, So a full decade after, you know, I wrote my second book, we finally got that FDA-approved combination therapy, which is, uh, the brand name's Bijuva, which is bioidentical estradiol, the most potent human estrogen, and progesterone, natural progesterone's made in the corpus luteum after ovulation. And it's mixed in medium-chain triglycerides, also known as coconut oil in a tiny little capsule taken after a meal because the stomach acids destroy progesterone. Now, for a long, long time, we've had bioidentical oral estrogen, bioidentical sprays, gels, patches, vaginal rings, and we've had natural progesterone. I mean, I'm so old (laughs) that when I started in the field, we had a compound oral natural progesterone. Not that I did it, but of course, a compounding pharmacist did because it wasn't even on the market. But we have had natural progesterone in the form of prometrium, which is unfortunately mixed in peanut oil, so you can't be allergic to peanuts, on the market for a couple of decades now. So we've been able to separate the two, but when you have a uterus 
and you're postmenopausal and you don't want to cycle or bleed, there is otherwise no other bioidentical compounded estrogen progesterone formulation up until 2019. So that's just four years ago. In fact, uh, I know the physician, Dr. Brian Burnick, an OBGYN who was in practice in Florida. And Florida has a really high malpractice rate, so people can't usually afford to have medical malpractice as obstetricians. And he delivered a uh, baby for a couple, and um, they were venture capitalists. And he told them about his idea that you know, menopausal women need to have more options for menopausal hormone therapy, for vaginal products, for vaginal atrophy, for contraception. And so it was really his brainchild to look at and study and bring to the market by Juva. So um, as I mentioned, estradiol, which is the most potent human estrogen, has been available for a long, long time in a natural bioidentical form in pills and patches and sprays, gels, vaginal creams, tablets, vaginal inserts. So why am I as a menopause expert glad that midlife women have this option? Well, because ever since the Women's Health Initiative, the infamous report that was released on July 10th, 2002, it's like burned in people's brains. If you were in the medical field, you knew exactly what you're doing when when that news shook the world. It costs a lot of women to be suspicious of any pharmaceutical grade prescriptions, sadly. And so a lot of women turn to unregulated compounding pharmacies. And the misinterpretation and the way these the scientific study was kind of unscientifically disseminated in simple little sound bites shocked the world. And it really caused a lot of confusion. And it led women to turn to so-called bioidenticals. But when we go back and look at the Women's Health Initiative, even if they picked a progestin that was pretty... Um, anti-androgenic or anti-estrogenic rather against estrogen because estrogen is good in so many factors in the body including the breast actually women who took the Premarin or the Prempro which is uh, conjugated estrogens plus synthetic medroxyprogesterone acetate they actually had reduced death rates (laughs) and women who took the Premarin alone actually had reduced breast cancer risk even into their 70s. But the age stratified data wasn't published until several years later, and the panic ensued. And many immediately threw away their tablets or pills or patches, and they looked to alternatives to synthetic progestins. And this really gave rise to a cottage industry in the billions of dollars of unregulated compounded hormone therapy, pellets, I discourage against, and unstudied ingredients that aren't necessarily safer. And if you don't get the hormonal balance correct, you do put women at risk for endometrial cancer. And estrogen is very well absorbed from the skin, the mucosal tract, the GI tract. But, and this is a big but, progesterone is not. So you can swim in progesterone. You can put it all over your body and it's not going to be enough for the lining of the uterus. So if you don't have a uterus, that's fine. Great. Assuming you don't have endometriosis 
or any residual endometrial tissue. So um, it's really been disappointing for me to see so many women suffer for us to kind of lose almost a generation. Um, the one nice thing about being in the field so long is that the women that were going into menopause in the early 2000s are now much older and it's their daughters <laughs> that are going through this. And so a lot of the Gen Xers and even potentially older millennials, you know, if you have early menopause, ha have not been, their psyche has not been as influenced or damaged by the way this news was disseminated. So it actually is making it a little easier to practice in the field of menopause, menopausal medicine because, you know, I'll see women and it's interesting, there's not a lot of anticipatory guidance. So a lot of women don't have any information or education on perimenopause and menopause. Hence, one of the reasons why our nonprofit raises money to give people unbiased, accurate information to make the best health care decisions for themselves. And I'll see women in the office and they're anxious and they have sleep disturbances and hot flashes and crawling itchy skin and joint pain and vaginal dryness and they brain fog. They just don't feel themselves. And I'll recommend therapy. It could be conventional standard hormone therapy, which is safe and effective, bioidentical hormone therapy if there's a specific reason that that fits their profile better. And they'll look at me very suspiciously. Well, I have to do my research. <laughs> And I'm thinking, okay, um, that's great. It's, it's good to get as much information and feel confident. Shared decision-making is important. One size does not fit all. Um, but I just really wish that women and the physicians that serve women would encourage this education long before you're in the throes of throwing the covers off the bed and you can't sleep and your skin's crawling and you're having work productivity problems, you're having partner issues, you're not interested in sex, sex hurts, um, long before things really unfortunately fall apart for a lot of women. And, you know, it is disappointing to me because I've dedicated so much of my life to this. I've spent a lot of my own personal time um, getting resources to women uh, who need it. And as I tell women, when I see them in the office, whatever you do or don't do, it doesn't affect my salary. I'm a salary physician. I'm not trying to sell anything. A lot of these anti-aging clinics are. And a lot of times I'm looked at suspiciously. And part of that's because it's good to be naturally suspicious. You know, um, you, you want to get all the information possible. Um, you know, just coming out of the pandemic, my goodness, so many things that were promulgated, so much fear, so much misinformation, uh, so much damage. Uh, so I, I understand women's hesitancy, but it's very important for me to communicate that hormone therapy is really in the field of women's health where lots of things haven't been well studied. It's kind of been studied on men or extrapolated to women actually has been very well studied. And we have a lot of good combination estrogen progesterone or estrogen progestin combinations. And if you, if you have a uterus or endometrium, you still need both. If you don't, I always tell women, if you had that hysterectomy, it's a silver lining because it's easier, safer, and cheaper long-term to take estrogen alone. But um, surgery has risk and we just don't go around taking out the uteri in women who don't need it. 
But I do tell women when you're past childbearing, if you're having problems with your uterus, pain, bleeding, fibroids, um, abnormal pap smears, bulky symptoms because of an enlarging uterus, like really, you if you have indications for hormone therapy and you feel better on hormone therapy but are having issues with it because of bleeding, because you have a uterus, really you do not want to do backflips to save that uterus. I mean, that's my bias because I'm a menopause hormone doctor and I know how effective estrogen is. I was speaking with one of my colleagues the other day because I had a woman with an unusual form of uh, ovarian cancer. And in general, ovarian cancer is not increased or decreased by use of estrogen. If you use unopposed estrogen alone, Without progesterone, that can increase endometrial uterine cancer. And despite women thinking estrogen is linked to breast cancer, it's not. And estrogen alone in postmenopausal women, specifically the conjugated estrogen, equine estrogen premarin, which was studied in 11,000 women for over a decade, actually showed reductions in the diagnosis uh, and the invasiveness of breast cancer, even in women into their 70s. So that's really settled. Um, but there, there are uh, a couple of rare ovarian cancers that might have some growth enhancement with estrogen. And I had a patient with this uh, situation, uh, and she had had surgery and chemotherapy for the ovarian cancer and was having a lot of problems that just local uh, treatments were not enough. And I had suggested considering estrogen systemic therapy by patch. And uh, naturally, she was hesitant, and I spoke with her oncologist who said that they had done a study uh, in women with this type of tumor and found that if they did take estrogen therapy, they did have a slight increase in recurrence of the cancer. However, they had a longer lifespan, and that was perplexing to the group. Well, it wasn't perplexing to me because we know in general estrogen increases the lifespan, shifts the aging curve to the right, and... um. So even in women who have serious conditions that estrogen may influence, even if they've had a history of breast cancer or uterine cancer or rare forms of ovarian cancer or blood clots or heart attack or stroke, it's not like we totally take that off the table. Now, we don't just give it if there's not a reason and there's lots of non-hormonal options and one size does not fit all, um, but there are some women who really suffer and rather than just suffer and arbitrarily say you can't be on hormone therapy, I think is cruel and unusual. I'm going to be giving a lecture to physicians with several of my esteemed colleagues at a women's health symposium in Miami uh, this fall that's put together by this fabulous uh, physician, Alberto uh, Dominguez. Bali, and he's part of our Advancing Health After Hysterectomy group, which Dr. Phil Sorrell, who I've interviewed on this podcast, who's trained in OBGYN and psychiatry and did extensive research at Yale on female sexual function and the role of testosterone in women. He's an emeritus professor and the founder and president of AHAH, AHA, I get it, <laughs> Advancing Health After Hysterectomy. And, um, I'm tasked with giving the last lecture after like a complete panel of incredible rock stars in the field of menopause. And I am tasked with who should and should not receive 
menopausal hormone therapy, what the specialist should know. And I can give you the punchline now, early, is that pretty much I don't think any woman should be denied therapy. And certainly the risk-benefit ratio varies from woman to woman. But unless there's a condition that you would take out the ovaries in a woman and deprive her of any estrogen, uh, which is incredibly rare and hardly ever done in premenopausal women, why do we have such a strict standard and we're so stingy with postmenopausal women? So just because a woman's older and past childbearing doesn't mean she needs to be disregarded, her symptoms, her disease burden, and her quality of life. And so that's the perspective I come at now. Certainly, in some women, various treatments can be riskier than others. But one thing I can tell you is that unregulated uh, hormones are definitely much riskier than standard therapy monitored by someone who has training and expertise. And I have done uh, case reports and publications in otherwise healthy women that weren't obese, um, didn't have risk factors for uterine cancer other than having a uterus, who had taken unregulated bioidentical hormones for just a short period of time, many of them, who did develop uterine cancer. And I published that in the Journal of Women's Health with several of my colleagues. So there are well-studied menopausal hormone therapy options that are both oral combination and also transdermal, estrogen and progestin. So the brand name Activella, generic name Mimvi, as well as several others, has uh, estradiol and norethindrone acetate. We've used norethindrone acetate for over 50 years in birth control pills. And it always amazes me, women who took the pill for decades, had pregnancies, had the IUD maybe, had a C-section perhaps, um, all things much more riskier potentially uh, in terms of uh, risk of clot, except for the IUD, um, than taking menopausal hormones, and yet they're terrified of hormone therapy. Now, PremPro is the conjugated equine estrogens with medroxyprogesterone acetate. FemHeart is a phenylestradiol, which is a synthetic estrogen, but at uber low dose. So it's the same type of estrogen used in birth control, many birth control pills, but in a much lower dose with uh, norethindrone acetate. And then Angelique, uh, one of my favorites because it's bioidentical estradiol, but the progestin is drosperinone, which is an analog to spironolactone, which blocks dihydrotestosterone's effects on skin and hair. So for those women who've had terrible acne or androgenic hair thinning. I think one of my most popularly listened to podcasts is hair thinning is not just for dear old dad. So the hormones do affect the scalp and the hair. Um, there's also designer hormones that have estrogen and non-progestins that still protect the uterus. Uh, uh, one of them is Duave, which has basidoxaphene in it. And that was a real popular a combination therapy used for women who are very progestin sensitive, women with endometriosis, women with breast tenderness. And then it was off the market during the whole pandemic. Uh, and then it just hit the market back uh, June 6th of uh, 2023. And a lot of the women who were on it got letters, multiple letters from the pharmaceutical company Pfizer that they were back in service. But unfortunately, a lot of hospital formularies 
don't cover it. So some of these options, unfortunately, can be much more expensive than others, including the Bijuva, the bioidentical estradiol and progesterone. It all depends on the formulary. Now, I tell women, even if your insurance doesn't cover it, doesn't mean you can't take the prescription and pay cash. Um, look for other options that might ap- apply coupons. Uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast on how to save money on medicine, it's a must listen to or a must read on our website, speakingofwomenshealth.com. So you have been listening to the Speaking of Women's Health podcast. I am your host, Dr. Holly Thacker, the executive producer of Speaking of Women's Health, and I'm a menopause expert, been in the field for years. I run a fellowship on specialized women's health. I've helped train a couple generations of women uh, and physicians who specialize in midlife and women's health. And going back to a little primer on hormones, estrogen protects the breast, but it stimulates the uterus. Whereas progesterone protects the endometrial lining, but can stimulate the breast. So any woman with an endometrium or uterus or extensive endometriosis does need hormone balancing. And there's a definite group of women who are intolerant to progestins, synthetic progesterone-like substances that are used in higher dose in hormonal contraceptives, but also in lower doses in menopausal combination therapy. There is some women who can't even tolerate natural progesterone, but most women tolerate natural progesterone and they find it helps their sleep and can reduce anxiety. And that commercially available natural progesterone is Prometrium. It's in a 100 milligram dose and a 200 milligram dose, but it rarely can cause some heartburn because it relaxes the lower esophageal muscle. And it does cause sleepiness, so you have to take it uh, before bedtime. And you do need a little food in your stomach because your stomach acids destroy progesterone. Now, in general, for most women that are menopausal with symptoms, the benefits far outweigh the risk. But all therapies, hormonal and non-hormonal, just like anything you put in your mouth, food, supplements, vitamins, there are risks and benefits. One size does not fit all. And once you're 65, when the metabolism tends to slow down, and that's kind of the cut point in the WHI where oral hormone therapy started to increase the risk of stroke, one extra case per thousand women on a standard dose of 0.625 milligrams of conjugated estrogen, which is about equivalent to a milligram of estradiol, which we dose twice a day if it's pure and separate, as opposed to it can be dosed once a day if it's mixed with that progestin to protect the uterus. Uh, Women under age 65 actually have two less cases of stroke per thousand women. So... When you're 65, you don't have to stop, but we might lower the dose. We might go to transdermal. Uh, Again, one size doesn't fit all. I have women in their 70s and 80s whose metabolism is such that they need a standard dose or even slightly more. So we always individualize. And as I tell women, there is no time limit to feeling good. So um, as I mentioned, I'm not going to be writing a third book because I updated my last book on podcast and I'm committed to getting out helpful, empowering, uh, non-branded information to you and working on the website and our whole digital platform on speakingofwomenshealth.com, our free treatment guidebooks, our breaking health news. 
Now, I've talked about a lot of the really positive things about hormone therapy, um, and that's really the take-home message, but there is risk to taking hormone therapy. And uh, certainly the news loves to promote anything they think might be negative. But everything you put in your mouth or on your body, uh, inhale, absorb, get exposed to, can have some potential risk. And that includes over-the-counter, off-the-shelf, non-prescription therapies. In fact, acetaminophen, Tylenol, you can easily overdose and kill your liver on. And the thing that I like to point out is there's risk in not treating things. Sometimes the major risk. So the bottom line is with any hormone, there's a rare risk of blood clot, particularly oral estrogen. That's particularly true with hormonal birth control pills, um, also hormonal birth control patches, which are synthetic doses of hormones. That's in distinction to menopausal hormone patches, which we don't think increase the risk of clot. And um, birth control pills, which are over-the-counter in in some states, and some women take well into their 50s, uh, certainly have more risk for clot and elevated blood pressure than menopausal hormones. So unfortunately, there is a small fraction of women whose blood coagulation system does become thicker. Now, during the COVID pandemic, I'd get calls, women were saying, oh, I have COVID and that can be associated with increased blood clotting. Should I go off my hormone therapy? And in general, our answer was no, because women on estrogen did better. And women who have estrogen on board compared to males for the same age and medical comorbidity generally did better because of the viruses, you know, uh, binding on the ACE receptor. So one of the issues with hormone therapy, besides the rare risk of blood clot, and if you've never had blood clots and you've had a baby, maybe you've been on hormonal contraception, maybe you've had surgery or not, maybe you've had a C-section or just a natural vaginal delivery, those conditions do have higher risk of clot than taking menopausal hormones. But uterine cancer and uterine hyperplasia and bleeding is particularly an issue with unregulated compounded hormones, particularly when people are just using progesterone on their skin. That sounds really nice, but it doesn't protect the uterus. Progesterone protects the uterus. So you can smear on wild yam cream or natural progesterone, but it's not going to cut it, sadly, ladies. And we women are not yams. We don't have the enzyme to convert that precursor uh, in yams to progesterone like yams do. So getting regulated prescriptions is kind of akin to, I describe it like, okay, I go to the grocery store and I buy U.S. grade A beef pasteurized milk. Now, if I was not had access at all and couldn't get food otherwise and had to go to a local farmer and barter, then I would have to, you know, just take it without the FDA stamp of approval. Um, But certainly women who want bioidentical female hormones and who need hormones can easily get regulated prescriptions with just the right amount of progesterone or progestin to protect the uterus. And you could certainly get physiologic and even pharmacologic effects from transdermal estrogen creams. You can't get it with progesterone creams to the skin. 
Testosterone is another hormone that's pretty well absorbed through the mucous membranes and the skin, and it's very easy to overdose on testosterone, which is not FDA approved. We still prescribe it off-label to women who need it, but please, ladies, stay away from those uh, testosterone pellets. These doctors doing it are charging you lots of money. The vast majority of them are not experts in menopausal medicine, and I've seen disaster after disaster. And if you're able to see someone who specializes in menopause, uh, particularly if you have complicated uh, history, if you've ever had cancer or cardiovascular disease or blood clots or rheumatologic disease or, you know, uncontrolled hypertension, high cholesterol, then women that are a little more complicated who are over the age of 45 or 50, it may behoove you to see a specialist. For otherwise healthy women who go into menopause and have some symptoms and want to, you know, Um, take the edge off their symptoms and potentially prolong their life, really your regular physician or nurse practitioner should have the ability to treat you. Now, if they don't, you can refer them to (laughs) speakingofwomenshealth.com. We have free CME podcasts on Speaking of Women's Health for physicians and APPs. And also I've worked with a cadre of excellent menopausal experts from around the country. And uh, we write grants to be able to produce uh, great CME uh, on menopauselearning.com. So you can pass that along. And when your caregiver says they're nervous or uncomfortable, a lot of times their anxiety and uncomfortability doesn't have anything to do with the therapy. It has to do with their lack of knowledge and expertise. And so I would be very uncomfortable if somebody was flying my airplane who didn't have a pilot's license, okay? But the answer is uh, not to just feel uncomfortable and say we're never going to fly in a plane. The answer is you want an adequate expert to fly your plane or help you direct your menopausal care. And, you know, just like we all don't look the same way with haircuts or certain styles or colors, um, you owe it to yourself to really get the facts from a true expert. And if there's not experts in your area, um, you can get so much information from our website to really empower you. There's really, really, in this day and age, 2023, you know, when I see women and they're suffering, I'm like, thank goodness this isn't 1823 because back then they just only had animal gonads to grind up, to inject in women. So we've really come a long way, baby. And thanks so much for joining me in the Sunflower House. I'm your host. You've been listening to the Speaking of Women's Health podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to donate, you can go on speakingofwomenshealth.com and hit the donate button. Or just go on where you subscribe to a podcast. Give us a five-star rating or forward it to one of your friends. And I'll look forward to seeing you back again in the Sunflower House.